Amen. You could be anywhere right now and you're here. Turn to your neighbor and say, good choice this morning. <laughs> and then turn to the other neighbor and say, I know I'm biased. I'm a little bit biased, but. Well, if you've been tracking with us, first of all, um, my name is Chad. I just want to welcome you. I'm one of the, the leaders here in this community, just doing our best to all follow Jesus, the ultimate leader, the good, good, great shepherd, the head of his church, the Lord of heaven and earth. Amen. That's Jesus. And we are under his tutelage, under his leadership and lordship, and he is the best kind of lord, the best kind of master. How many have served other masters? How'd that go? There's no master, there's no, there's no lord like our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Lord, Father, I pray that you would just open our hearts to receive from your heart through your word right now. And uh, just do me one more quick thing, Justin, unless you're not up there, which I think you're not. Oh, I love you. Never mind. Um, I always provide notes now every week. So get the QR code, scan it. It's the very first bar that says sermon notes. Scan that thing. You'll have access to every word. You can rip it apart, test it, go look up your own passages. Everything is, uh, you can weigh it, balance it, and that which is pure and good, the word of the Lord will, will remain until forever. Amen. His word is unchanging and unshakable. This month, we've really had an agenda, which is to, to do our best to try to promote and to, to, to make the case through the scriptures that the, that the best way to grow in Christ, the best way to grow in your um, confidence in Christ is to connect with others in community. So all week, we've been really trying to encourage all month getting connected. You can go to our website or scan or pick up the bulletin. That's, if you like physical copies, there's plenty of bulletins outside those doors to find people who are leading groups and we're always looking to start new ones. And we have some new ones coming in March as well that we'll make you aware of. Well, this week I wanna take the idea of community and I want to uh, introduce one of the, my favorite parts of what community in Christ really is instrumental in. And so the title of today's talk is Community um, as a Catalyst Towards Calling. And Justin will have the slides, I think, for all of us for, for that. One more time, community as a catalyst towards calling. Did you know that the spirit that's in you, if you're in Christ, that same spirit is in other believers around you? I know it's a novel idea, but one of the neatest parts about being in a community is that together we can grow in our understanding of what we're doing here on earth. Have you ever received a word of encouragement or a word of direction or a word of hope or a word that really unlocked something inside of your heart that was like, oh, I didn't know I could be that. Who's ever received a word of encouragement from community as it pertains toward your calling? Maybe you were challenged to do something you didn't think you could do, but you did it in the grace of God. And so today, I wanna to just pick on one of my favorite heroes in the Bible. His name is Ananias. And I wanna draw out a few practical examples of how when we are in community together, we can, we, in the grace of God, can serve as a catalytic agent in other people's calling and other people's lives. So we're gonna to get to Acts chapter 22, if you open your Bibles there. Just wanna give a very brief synopsis, a paragraph. Paul has, been, has now completed another, his third missionary journey. 
He has his heart set on Rome. And the community of prophets and teachers have warned him, it's not going to go well for you, dude. But he was unwilling to compromise his call, no matter the cost or the consequence. And so his opinion and his, I don't know if you'd say stubbornness, I think he would be okay if we said that personally. But his uh, commitment to the call and the burning passion in his life won the day. And so he went to Jerusalem and then on to Rome. Paul has been arrested and he now stands before his own people and he speaks the gospel, the passage, in Aramaic. He knew Greek, it was the common trade language of the day, but he was such a wise communicator of the gospel. By speaking their heart language, he knew that it would, it would all the more compound the effectiveness of what he was trying to do, to share Jesus with his own men, men and women of his own uh, ethnicity and culture. And so he, this is all a part of the long road, if you remember several weeks back, from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the where? To the ends of the earth. And so we see throughout the book of Acts that ripple, it keeps growing and getting wider and wider and wider. And so now, if we can stand together out of honor for God's word, we don't always do this, but sometimes it's good. It says this in verse six. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up the Lord said, go into Damascus, where he was going to arrest Christians, by the way. There you'll be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and he was highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, Ananias said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear, look at all the sensory language, to hear the words from his, his words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem after this encounter and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord. Can you say thanks be to God? Amen. You can be seated. 
And so there's this powerful passage. What I'm gonna do is make quick work of just pulling out a few principles, but I'm gonna land the plane on the main principle that I want to serve to facilitate our conversation. Number one, what we see in this passage is that Jesus fully identifies himself with his church. Did you catch that? Up in verse seven, remember Saul, he's on his way to Damascus. He's got the paperwork that's necessary to arrest followers of Jesus on the authority of the Sanhedrin. And when, when, when he's blinded and knocked off his horse, Jesus says these words, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Did you know that Jesus doesn't view the church as this separate entity from who he is and what he's doing, but Jesus so identifies himself with his church, his people, his body, that Saul persecuting followers of Jesus is the same as Saul persecuting him. Do you think that this might maybe should cause us to be a little more humble when we talk about the church? We're talking about another man's eternal bride. Boom. The, the church is called the bride of Christ. And so you and I, in our cynicism and in our, many times my, I'll say my cynicism or my arrogance, I'm quick to call out, and I see this on social media all the time, but I just have to turn it off because it bugs me. The church, we throw around the phrase, the church, like we, little me, Chad, or whoever you, little you, are speaking on behalf of this global multi-ethnic entity. And that doesn't mean we can't speak to some of the brokenness, but if we speak or call out brokenness in the church, remember that we are contributors, contributors to its brokenness and its beauty. <laughs> so principle number one, I'm not gonna labor this, but we see Jesus identifies himself with his church. Does that mean Jesus cares very, very deeply about you and I, yes or no? Jesus loves his church and literally Paul gives us great language he says, it's his body. And if you read Ephesians chapter five, I'm taking way too long. This is supposed to be an auxiliary point. But in Ephesians chapter five, it says this, that just as a wife cares for, a husband cares for his wife and he feeds and cares, so in the same exact way, Christ feeds and cares for his body, the church, his bride. So principle number one, again, that's it, is that Jesus identifies himself with his Church, So let's not be crass or unduly critical of the church as it is Jesus's eternal bride and his earthly body. Number two, the second principle I just wanna draw out from this passage is when the Lord speaks, his words have power to change the course and trajectory of our entire life if we'll respond to his voice. How many have ever experienced the, dis the, the disruptive voice of God? In this case, Saul didn't really have, I mean, he was knocked off his donkey horse, whatever it was, if you go read Acts chapter nine. And the Lord's words come with such weight that they have, they have power to completely transform his life. It says in verse 10, what shall I do after the Lord speaks? And he's told, get up and you'll be told what to do. And oftentimes you and I are so wrapped up in our own world and our own call and our own agendas that it takes the disruptive voice of the Lord to get our attention. Has anyone ever been a recipient of the disruptive voice of the Lord in your busyness of ruling and running your own life? Thank God that the Lord speaks to us on whatever road we're on and he offers us a, a, a new beginning and a new start in his love. 
Number three, what is one of the principles we see from this passage is that each of us has an assignment from the Lord. Verse 10, again, you, you'll be shown what you've been assigned to do. I want everyone to take a collective deep breath. One of the most beautiful things about the Lord's infinite wisdom when he literally just read all of Psalm 139, that he, and then Matthew chapter 10, he knows the hairs on your head, the days for your life. He knows he formed you in your mother's womb before a thought came into your brain or a word left your tongue. He knew it and he knows it. And what a deep relief to know that you and I, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, that the Lord, everyone say the Lord, has placed within his body every part as he wanted it to be. So, so answer me this, in our zeal to wanna know our purpose, and we're gonna get there, and we wanna know why we're here and what we're doing, there is one who has greater wisdom and greater zeal, and he's infinitely wise, and he's already looked at your life from eternity past to today, and he's like, I know just the spot for you. Hallelujah, amen. In a world where there's so much pressure to make something of ourselves, there is a God who has already made us for himself. Someone say amen. And the Bible says that he's placed every part as he wanted it. But each of us has an assignment. Say that out loud. I have an assignment. Principle number four, we're doing great. God uses others, say others, in the body of Christ to bring us to salvation and to help us, say it with me, discover and develop our calling in the church and in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. How many remember the person that God used to bring you to salvation? Raise your hand, just because I want to remember it myself. Amen. Who, who was it? Just shout out who it was. A family member. Go ahead. My brother. My brother. Who else? My wife. Who else remembers? Huh? Jim Bohai, my grandpa. That's a true story. Ask Pastor Ken later. My grandpa was a singing evangelist all over the world in the Midwest, and he came to one of my grandpa's meetings. It's such a neat story. Dude, that's about to make me emotional right now, just sitting here. Thank you. That, that blesses me. Who else remembers the someone that brought you to the Lord? Amen. Corey Tim Boom. Yeah, brother. Your pastor's what? Oh, wow, that's awesome. The bedside, so powerful. How many believe that it's, it's such a, there, there may not be a higher privilege than to be used by the Lord to bring someone to salvation. Everyone say amen if you agree. And, and God does that. We see this with Ananias. Saul was blinded, but he used a human vessel to bring him in. Get baptized, dude. Wash your sins away. And if you read the account in Acts chapter nine, lays hands on him, the spirit comes, the scales of his eyes fall off, but God uses human instruments to accomplish his eternal purposes. Amen. So one of the roles that God uses you and I is to bring people to salvation. But we see also, and this is where we're gonna land here in a minute, he also uses others in the body to help us discover and then develop and then to take that risk to be deployed to go on living in the call of God on our life. Who has ever had someone just look at you in the eyes and say, I see your potential. You're a work in progress, but I see it. Come on, raise your hand if that someone's ever been, took it, taken you around the net, not the net, you know what I mean, the shoulder, not the net. Well, sometimes, you, okay, forget it. 
And so this says, look, it says in verse 12 and 13, a man, everyone say this, a man named Ananias. Look at the language, he stood beside me. Now you gotta go back to Acts chapter nine. Ananias, I mean, again, Paul's just giving the highlight reel, the 14 chapters later. But in the actual account, Ananias tells the Lord, Lord, you want me to go to whose house to lay hands on who? Dude, Saul was known, he was a murderer, a persecutor. And there was this hurdle that Ananias knew, not only to enter into his world, but then to go into his house and then to call him brother and then to lay hands on him. Friends, do you see all the hurdles that Ananias, his own fear, his own security. Ananias knew that dude had papers that were sufficient to go arrest followers of the way and take him to Jerusalem. It's unbelievable that a man named Ananias, who I cannot wait to meet in glory, I love the language, he stood beside me. And I want you to know that there is a community that God wants to form in these last days where we stand beside each other even though we are long works in progress, amen. In a world that has a low view of covenant, a low view of commitment, I'm in it until it's good for me, but as soon as it costs or it gets difficult or hard, I'm out. Beloved, this is not God's vision for the community that bears the name of his son, Jesus. And Ananias stood beside me. Oh, and he says, receive your sight. And then he just echoes the words that God had already spoken and talked to his heart. God's chosen you, verse 14 and 15. Get up and be baptized. I wanna become a church. I wanna become a person, a man. I wanna help lead people that everyone is in a community. It doesn't have to be a large community, but two, three, five, six, 12, I don't care. But you find yourself placed in a community where people are standing beside you through thick and thin. As they stand beside you, not only do they make their self available to you, you make yourself available to them. And then in the grace of God, you're able to encourage each other to discern and discover and to develop and to tease out the very purpose and assignment the Lord has for each of us as his sons and daughters. And then principle number five, I, I, I end with this and then we'll just go deep for a moment on principle number four. That there's often, when it pertains to your assignment or call, there's often a place that's specific, a people that are peculiar that God has in mind for the purpose he's called you to partner with him in. And you love, I love that dialogue between Saul and Paul, Paul and God. He's, in verses 18 and 21, God's like, dude, you need to leave Jerusalem. They're not gonna accept your testimony. And there's this, but God, they knew I was in this, I love the conversation. How many love that God is so kind, he allows us to enter into a dialogue with him, even though he's way smarter than us. And he does that, he dialogues with them. But Lord, they, knew, they know my backstory. Like, I could be useful here. And he's like, dude, you're going to the Gentiles. <laughs> and it's often because the Lord has a specific place, not always, but often, and a peculiar people, and there is a, speci a specificity to the purpose that he's called you and I to. How many have ever experienced that, that you were, you were passionate for God, but the Lord's, I have, he says, I have need for you in another place. Raise your hand if you've ever experienced that, a specific place or people group. And so for the rest of our time, those are all just principles. So hopefully your soul is fed by the word of the Lord. And I just wanna zero in for a moment on principle number four. 
Remember our title for the talk today, just the conversation. I want you to take the notes, scan it again, and just, just, just chew on this. Invite a friend. Even if you're not in a community group yet, just call a friend. Text somebody this week. Grab the manuscript and just work through it. What do, you, what do you see in me? Help each other discern God's voice. How many are thankful? We don't have to be that smart to figure everything out on our own. Hello. Amen. God has given gifts and graces to those all around us to help each other get in on what God is doing in our generation and with our lives. So God uses others in the body to bring us to salvation and to help us discover and develop our calling in the church and in the kingdom of God. He uses others to impart gifts and grace. He uses others to affirm grace and gifts. And he uses others to activate grace and gifts. I just want to personalize my story for a minute. I am almost 38 here in a few weeks. And for most of my life, I've been in a wrestling match. I mean, everyone's personality is different. Some of you have never woken up thinking, oh, I got to make a difference today. And you're just like, dude, I'm just going to be faithful with my, and, and praise God. Unfortunately, I, I, not unfortunately, I'm thankful for how God made me, but sometimes it gets tiring. To anyone else always have their finger to a pulse? God, what's, why? I want to make a difference. Come on, anybody ever been exhausted by their own zeal? Anybody? Okay, hello. And it's rooted, it's, listen, I had someone pray over me, a pastor named Mike Sparrow. He, he put his hand on my chest and he said, Chatty, that thing in you, and he named it. I didn't tell him this, but he knew me. He's my friend and he's a mentor. And he put his hand like this and he goes, that thing in you to want to, you're calling, you want to do it for God and you want to, blah. He goes, it's rooted in righteousness. So he affirmed, he was a good kind of father figure. He affirmed and then he goes, but what if the Lord just wants to click it back a notch or two so you can actually enjoy your family and your life on the way to obeying God? <laughs> and he did this, he literally went. <laughs> I remember I was just getting prayer from this, be this beautiful man of God. He's like, it's rooted in like God. Okay, got the goosebumps. God, God loves it that we want, he, he loves that you want to please him. Don't get me wrong. He, that's why Mike said, Chad, I see it's rooted in righteousness. But take a breath. And some of us need to hear these words today. It's not all dependent on you or me. And I'm just giving you my testimony out of this conversation about the call of God. For I, I don't know how much... Uh, mental, emotional, spiritual gas that I have burned in my zeal instead of learning to walk moment by moment in the faithfulness of God to lead, guide, and direct my life as I yield to him. And I've wrestled, anyone else in this room by show of hands wrestled with your calling and what your assignment is and why are you here? You're in really good company. It is a part of the human struggle. <laughs> Everyone. And here's what I look back, and I look back on my, uh, my own storyline. I've had different roles. I, first of all, when I was a teenager, my dad owned a construction company. That's why my back, I'll just declare it, is being healed, but it's a little bit why my back is bad. 
Because back in those days, you didn't care. The goal was to carry three two by 12s, 18 footers, because you're this young kid that wants to be respected by all these construction dudes. And so you're throwing, you're just hoisting. And so by 16, I had six steroid shots in my back. Different story. But this is my story. So I worked construction every summer. I was so stoked because I was paid well because it's like construction. But in the long run, I'm like, was it worth it? I don't know. Let's talk about it in the glory someday with the glorified body. And if God got a hold, my testimony is God got a hold of my, my heart at 16. And already as a, as a young, like 13, 14 year old, I remember preaching and I remember one meeting, my, my junior high pastor trusted me. He gave me two minutes. <laughs> I've never been short-winded for the record. So, and I, I kid you not, as a 14-year-old, maybe 13, without a shadow of a doubt, the Holy, I knew the Holy Spirit said, Chatty, people are gonna respond to me through your words tonight. And so I told Pastor Chris Lonis, I'm like, Chris, I think I need more than two minutes. And dude trusted a little junior higher. And I got up and I preached the gospel and like 60 kids came forward on the altar just giving their hearts to So I'm just sharing, I was doing construction, but yet that assignment, that place of calling and vocation, God has placed within me from a very young, young age. But my own story is I've worked at different churches, I've traveled around the country, I've, I've had different roles and responsibilities but my assignment that I believe the Lord has given me has remained the same in every circumstance and season. How many know your role and responsibility and even your title can change, but that God assignment in your heart, that thing will eventually find itself rising to the surface no matter what your hand is put, what plow your hand is put to. Hello, is this thing working or did that not make sense? And so what I've found is that, that some of you are like, Chad, I'm not walking in my assignment or my call or my vocation. Like, I, what are you talking about? But the reality is who you are in God will always, if you'll be a submitted, yielded son or daughter, that thing will always surface at some point. And I look back at my life, almost 38, I've had multiple different jobs in the church, outside of the church, but that thing about provoking others to behold the beauty of Jesus and respond to his love has always risen to the top. Always risen to the top. And in fact, now at almost 38, it's just getting brighter, it's stronger, that idea of who God is. But it's been a wrestle, hallelujah, it's been a wrestle. And my own story is this, I, I was engaged before uh, my, my precious wife, Haley, and so, without giving too many details, it was just, it wasn't the right circumstance or situation. And so we had to break off the engagement with, um, and it just was super painful, the, the shame and super painful for her, for me. The church I grew up in for 23 years, big church, home, church, legacy church. I didn't even wanna go, cause it was like, they're seeing me. You know, anyone ever been there where you're like, no, okay, me. I'll just be honest for all of us today. And so, so when I heard that that following semester at university that I could go study abroad in Switzerland, I'm like, hmm, not only do I not have to go to church in Kansas, I'm gonna move continents and get a loan. Come on, somebody say amen for, uh, what is that called, that, those programs in school? Study abroad programs, hallelujah, glory to God. And so I got to study abroad uh, in Switzerland, literally, 
I always had to be careful to say this. Besides meeting my wife and getting married and having four children and pastoring you wonderful people, <laughs> uh, it was the best time of my life. In Switzerland, I got to travel to five con con countries. And I was in this little tiny Bible college community with 16 different languages represented, 50 people. So it was so amazing. It was in Switzerland. Give me a break. Like on the border of the Black Forest. It was crazy, beautiful. And so, but here's why God had me go. Up to that point, you see, I didn't ever really look to a pastor or I'm not bragging, I'm just being fully honest. When, I, when God got a hold of my heart, I went to pursue mode. I got up hour early, I'm just, this is my own story. There's nothing good, bad, or ugly, but it's just my story. I got up, I started reading the Bible. I had these big goals, partly because my dad's a all or nothing guy and I've definitely been formed in his image. So I started pursuing the Lord. So I didn't rely on the message from the youth pastor. I'm like, I'm like memorizing James chapter one. You know what I'm saying? God just put a passion. He placed it inside of me to wake up early and pray and begin to share my faith and start Bible studies. And, and, and so I was pretty self-reliant as a believer because I knew who I was in God because I knew the Bible. Hello. But then I, you have a broken engagement and you feel like a failure and a loser and you're like, God, did I just ruin everything and I don't wanna be around people. So God takes me out of my normal environment. He places me into this 16 languages, all from different tribes and tongues. And, and would you know that in that place, when I'm trying to run away from community, I find the value for true community. Isn't God awesome? <laughs> And I used to get up every morning or multiple mornings a week, sometimes I no doubt slept in, that one of the men there was a 50-year-old something Irish guy called Desmond Davis. Shout out to Desmond. If for some reason you watch our service, sometimes he posts on things, so I love you, Desmond, wherever you are. I love you. And a thick Irish accent. He was a beautiful man. Let me just tell you about prayer meetings with Irish people. They're awesome! Everything sounds like Braveheart. It's like eloquent. It's like they're closer to God because of their accent. Not fair, Lord. Not fair. And Desmond and I became this little band. Of, I started discovering, oh, my gosh. Mr. Se not, not necessarily. I'm not going to give all the credit to the devil. I have no problem acknowledging sin and pride. But Mr. Self-Reliant, who knew God, discovered that God has a gift called Christian community that if we don't not just respond to his voice to come unto him, but that in responding to his voice, he calls us through and in the company of comrades called the church. And it wasn't until Switzerland that my thick head started realizing, oh my gosh, if you're gonna make it for the long haul, you're gonna need others on the journey, dude. Anyone ever had to learn that lesson before where it's like, I think I need people. I'm gonna, you know what, I can't do it alone. And so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, God had to take me out of the place in a new context where he could speak something. To be honest, at almost 38, I still am learning and there's moments where I'm very aware you can go fast alone, but you can go far with others. And how many want to make it all the way to the end with an overcoming, vibrant spirit? The only way we're making it is in 
community together with Jesus Christ at the center. We need each other. Whereas Christian community has been a luxury in the West, an unbelievable blessing we've lived and grown up in. I'm telling you, for the days, for the shaking that's coming, we're, we're gonna, it's not that a pastor is gonna be up here saying, have you signed up for Christian community yet? We are going to need each other for the days that are coming. Like it's not gonna be something we're selling in the overly busy uh, you know, life. And I'm not being harsh or mean, I'm just being honest. Where, where Christian community with Jesus at the center, his word open on every table, being written on every heart, his spirit moving and flowing through every member of the body. We are going to need that beautiful recipe that Jesus has given us in his word to grow us up, to ground us, to guide us, and to help us overcome the onslaught of the spirit of the age that's raging in our generation. How many believe we're gonna need each other like never before? So that's my story, I'm sticking to it. So we need each other. God uses the body to help us discover our purpose in the church and in the world. And I know that many of us are exhausted from our own cultural narratives of striving and making something of yourself and being unique and finding your niche and this whole narrative of finding yourself apart from God is really, at the end of the day, an exhausting adventure of missing the point. What God does is he wants us first to respond to hello. Look at this. He wants us first to respond to his call toward us. And in that response to say yes to all of life relationship, he then wants to begin to speak to us about the assignment he has to do with us. Did you know that your primary call is not to a task, but to a person? Is this thing working? Your first call is to relationship. Out of that relationship, the Lord will begin to speak through his word, by the spirit, and through the community. Man, I think I could see this in your life. Come on, what if we became that kind of people? When someone walked in here, we just felt the permission of the Lord to just get our eyes off of us just for an hour or an hour and 10 minutes. And we just began to see, God, give me eyes of grace to see into the heart of my brother or sister. How can I be an encourager? How can I, like in the grace of God, humbly, not in a thus say at the Lord type of manner, but how can I just begin to be an encourager that when others are in my sphere, they feel like permission is granted, they feel encouragement is, is being placed inside of them, and they feel like someone who's like either a coach who can cheer, or a cheerleader, like a coach that has been a little bit further down the road, or a cheerleader who's able to go, you know what, I believe in you, you've got this. Everybody needs a coach and a cheerleader. Someone say amen. So the good news is this, what I, what I love, and I'm, I'm obviously skipping a ton because I wanna pray for you and for us. So skip that page. You can go look at it on your own. Many of us wrestle deeply with this sense of what is my calling, what is my purpose? And, and you know what? We, we mostly wrestle with this issue at, in seasons of transition from high school to college. Who, who remembers that period of life? Anybody? What am I doing? What am I? 
And so sort of all those big pieces, like from high school to college, from singleness to married, if you're married, then kids. And, and, and many in our church, there's that transition also from a working life to a retired life. Raise your hand if you've been like, God, so is my purpose over? What am I doing? Anyone wrestled like, with the idea of calling or purpose? All of us have. And all I want to provoke us to do is this, bring that wrestle, bring those questions into community. And there's a simple thing that, that, I, that I want to just kind of maybe leave or imprint on our hearts and minds together. Um, I wrote this some time ago, and I, I think it's kind of helpful. You can screenshot it with your phone or just download the notes. That's why I upload them every week. But what I want to do is before I get there is, is I, I firmly believe this quote. One of my favorite authors is a guy called Gordon T. Smith. And he says this, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God comes not on Sunday morning in the gathering of the people for worship. It is rather on Monday morning when those empowered by the word and the spirit through fellowship and mutual encouragement are heading into every sphere and sector of society. Oh, find this slide, brother. I love you so much. It might be midway through because I want them to see it with their eyes too into schools, into businesses, doctor's offices, construction, construction jobs, art studios, and the daily routines of raising families and making homes. Look at this, this gets just, man, I read this years ago, it just cut me like a knife. The most effective congregations are defined not so much by how large they are and how quickly they're growing, but whether or not their members are equipped and empowered to be the people of God in the world, hello, Go back, I'll go there just in a second. Let me tell you as a pastor, this is not always our motivation. There I said it. Sorry. We are, we are broken individuals, pastors and leaders in the church. It is so easy for me to wrap my identity and sense of worth by how many people are in these chairs. And I thank God I'm not the only one. I mean, it'd be fine if I was the only one, but but this is the script. When I read this, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. How many will work with a longing to walk in that which is true? <laughs> Let's go to the next slide, because that's glorious. Look at the next slide. We need to learn to judge a church not by the number of Sunday morning attendees, but rather by more subtle and significant criterion. Are these people being drawn into the mission of God and equipped for service for Christ through their vocations, their call in the world? You're here for those, uh, Barna tells us, the regular attender comes one and a half times a month. A lot of you are breaking that trend, praise God. Pat yourself on the back today. Come on, somebody say amen. How many know our script has been broken? Often, in the, in, in, remember, God, Jesus identifies himself with the church, so I'm not, I'm just saying I'm a part of its mess. But beloved, I want you to know what I, my heart and intention is what you get for an hour, hour and a half on Sundays, and if you come to prayer meetings or whatever, is that you would, you would be encouraged and exhorted and edified in the gospel and the word to go and to be that ambassador, that instrument, and that representative for and with Jesus in the context of your everyday life. Amen. That's Gordon T. Smith. Can we say thank you, Gordon, for that great, great uh, insight? It's good stuff. 
So how do I grow in discerning my call? This is where I'll land the plane, and then I wanna just pray for us, and then I wanna really provoke you to get involved in a community. Take these notes, rip them apart, talk to each other about it. Vocational awareness, how do I grow in my understanding? Well, let's start with the head. What do you dream about? What is it on a regular basis, you can go to the next slide, my friend, that consumes your thoughts? What causes your imagination to soar? What have you studied or sought to grow in knowledge or wisdom and understanding? And just what, as you think about those things that consume your thinking, um, I don't know why it got cut off, but it's all good. Like God put thoughts and dreams and desires in your head. Not every thought comes from God. Can we all say amen? Hello. <laughs> but many thoughts have come from the Lord. What do you dream about? What is it that consumes you? When you what causes you when you think about that task or that job or that assignment or that role or responsibility that that sanctified imagination just kicks in? Oh, let's go to heart. What are you most passionate about? This is all practical, nothing real revolutionary. What are you passionate about? What makes you move at an emotional or an empathetic level? As Frederick Buechner said, what makes you happy, glad, mad, or sad? What do you long for? What, if any, words have been spoken over your life from others that deeply resonated with who you are? The head, the heart. Next slide, hands. What do you have experience doing? What do you naturally or supernaturally good or gifted at? What, when you're doing it, causes you to feel alive and satisfied and fulfilled? Am I tracking with anybody so far? What, if you were stranded on an island, just, I don't know why those got formatted weird. They weren't like that this morning. I'm really sorry if you can fix it. You're the man. If you were stranded on an island, what would your role be? Would you be a hunter? Come on, somebody. Give me the bow and arrow. I don't know how to shoot a bow and arrow. I would not be the hunter, okay? <laughs> okay. Or the gatherer. Would you be the architect or the builder? Would you govern, guide, or guard? Would you be the counselor or the cook? All the cooks in the house say amen. Would you be the explorer or the encourager? The pioneer or the settler? You see all these fun ways to think about it. Head, heart, and hands. Now, does any of this replace the disruptive voice of God with unique calls? No. God does that, amen? But there's many of us who are just waiting for a cloud to part, and the Lord's like, dude, look at who I made you to be. Amen? Look at who I made you to be. Head, heart, and hands. The Lord speaks in and through all of that. And one of the greatest things that that you can have experience in your life is for others, if you're in relationship, it doesn't have, again, I'm not painting this gnarly picture that you have to go get super busy. I'm talking about one or two or three or five or I'm not gonna give you a number. Jesus had 12, David had three and 30, amen. We need each other. But you just get in that community and just, it's not narcissistic. It can be, but it's not, not, in the, not, at, its, not at its beginning or its core. I challenge you, just grab a coffee with a friend or a meal or, or a community group this week. And, like, what do you see in me? Ask the question. Brave it. It's super scary, I know, because we're so used to just talking about sports and the weather. But eventually that gets boring. Amen. Amen. What do you see in me? 
Be humble enough to listen. What can you affirm? Like, what can you appreciate? What, when you see me doing or speaking or in this capacity or role, where do you experience something of the grace of God? Just go read 1 Peter 4. Each of us has a, 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 a hue. You know what that like, it has to do with color. We have a hue. We have something to reflect of the, God's glory and goodness and grace by the gifts that he's given us. Get in the middle of that community and just start asking questions and then be a good listener and then be a good responder to those who then it's their turn. Pray for me as I discover and discern what it is God is calling me to. And I love this quote. I wanna go more, but I wanna land the plane because I wanna pray for us for a minute. Let's go to the Floyd McClung quote. I, it's my favorite. This, is, this guy just passed on to glory. He was an apostolic father who helped plant churches all over the world. He was, he's just like a coach. When you read his books, it's like a coach is in your corner. I highly recommend Floyd McClung's literature. He's a beautiful writer, beautiful man of God. I wish I could have known him. But let's read this quote together. It's so great. When G, all together. When Jesus is Lord of our lives, being full-time, is not a vocation, but an attitude. We say yes to Jesus, and he chooses the location. We embrace our gifts and interests in life, and he mobilizes us to where he wants us to serve him. Every place, say it, is a full-time place of service, and every day is a holy day. Come on. You can see why he's like a coach. He's like, all this talk, listen, I feel like so many of us have bought in, and it's, it's many of us, it's the church narrative. You have a singular, you have a destiny, you have a plan and a purpose, and then most of us live our entire Christian life going, am I in it, did I miss it, ugh. Can I be honest? And we, I, but my call is not as big as his call. I didn't see heaven, I didn't hear an audible voice, and many of us live discouraged, depressed, and like, well, when's my chance gonna be? But what if we were all, if we're in Christ, we are already in full-time ministry and mission. What if it's more about who we're becoming even than what we're doing? What if it's in all that we do, it's an opportunity to bring him glory and to encourage others to see how good our God really is? None of that discounts what I'm saying, that each of us has a call and a purpose, but those need to be held in tension. Whatever you're doing right now, your job, your vocation, your calling, right now, just begin to say, Holy Spirit, how could I do that as if it's unto you for the good of others and for you to be glorified? What if we just woke up with that small question every morning, do you think our lives and the fruit of our life might change drastically over time? Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I gotta go. All of that's good stuff. Whatever. Keep going. Here, land the plane. So go to practices, Justin. I skipped a lot of good stuff. Just read it yourself. I love you so much. Download the talk, the, the notes. So this week, here's the challenge. Spend some time reflecting in prayer with a journal, with your Bible. And ask yourself this question, am I walking in the assignment the Lord has given me? And like I said earlier, bring a brother or sister or brothers and sisters into the conversation and ask these questions, next slide. What gifts or graces do you see in my life? Are they growing? Am I growing in those things that, that by the God's grace and by God's spirit and in the company of friends who also have the spirit, am I growing and utilizing the potential God's given me for his glory? 
for the building up of his body, the church, and for the sake of the world. And then I want, next slide, I want you to spend prayer, let's spend prayerful time. How can we do that same exercise with another friend? Did you know that God has, hello, God has calls and gifts for those who aren't even in his kingdom yet? What if one of the greatest evangelistic strategies you and I could do is we just started taking an interest in people who are far from God, but we began to speak seeds of kingdom life that, hey, there's more to you than your bottom line. There's more to you than your 401k. There's more to you than the money you're making at work and the influence you have and the title that you wear. What if we begin to be just coaches and disciple makers, even to those who haven't yet said yes to Jesus, but begin to seed their imagination that there's a bigger purpose, there's a higher calling for people's life. Listen, this applies to believers and unbelievers. Everybody wants to know who they are, why they're here, and what they're supposed to be doing. Do we agree? So prayerfully consider, even maybe a call to get work, go there with them. Hey, why do you do what you do? These are great ways to open the heart. What makes you excited and tick and hungry, et cetera? You'll begin to realize that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then maybe two more things. What are some areas of your work, your job, or your career that need to be washed or renewed? Maybe you've had sh uh, shady or shabby, shady business practices that need the cleansing of God. Can we be honest? Who has ever carried out their calling in a way that was not God honoring? Can we just be real? Maybe, maybe this week you just say, God, maybe you're an boss, maybe you're an employee or you're an employer, maybe you're an entrepreneur, whatever your role, you can just ask God, are there areas of how I'm doing what you've called me to do that are not bringing you glory? How many would grow just from this one slide this week? God, is there, is there more that you wanna do in me and through me? And then, yeah, hello, I wanna end right here. What, is the, what book or podcast or course or seminar could you attend to get better at what you're called to do? Did you know God wants us to grow? Hello, God wants you to be good and excellent at what you do. When's the last time you personally invested in growing in the gift and the grace that God has had in your life. How many, just by show of hands, have ever done that where you knew who you know who you, you're growing and who you know you are and what you're called to do? How many have experienced the blessing of getting better at it? Raise your hand. You're not being arrogant or proud. Amen. Maybe it's this week. You're like, man, I know who I am, God, who's God called me to be, but, but I haven't really invested in it lately. How many want to get better at who God is calling you to be and to become? That's a godly desire. So here's what I want us to do. Could you stand on your feet with me? Again, please go over the notes slowly together with others or yourself in quiet. I skipped a lot of gold, but I think we get the point here. And what I want you to do is I want you just to prayerfully consider, Lord, you can just walk through those slides with me, Justin, just as I kind of, Lord, what am I blind to? In Paul's, Saul's case, he was, 
working against God's call and he didn't even know it. So God, is there an area I'm, I'm actively working against what you're calling me into? Just ask him that question. Pray, Lord, is there something that I'm, I'm actually rejecting? I'm moving in a different way than the grace of God that you're drawing me to. And then number two, just prayerfully respond. Lord, can you give me eyes and courage to call others higher into the grace you've given them? Can I be a friend this week to help others discover and develop their own purpose and potential in your kingdom? God, have I been too self-focused that I've not been aware of those around me who, who are like untapped treasure chests? for the kingdom of God, that you wanna use my, you're like, I'm an Ananias. I can, I can pray for others, I can love and listen to them, I can encourage them in their walk this week. And then I just wrote this beautiful prayer, I think. I just wanna pray this over us. Thank you that you are a God who sees us and our all too often misplaced and misguided zeal. You're a God who speaks a word of identity and destiny over our lives. You're a God who's uniquely shaped us to participate with you in your eternal purposes. And ultimately, you're a God who sustains our whole life in your kingdom through the power of your spirit. And I wanna pray this over us right now. Lord, I praise you that even today, you can disrupt men and women on their own Damascus road and you can redirect their whole life for your glory and for their good, all for the sake of the gospel. As Timothy plays, I just wanna do a loose dismissal. If you wanna be prayed over, I mean, someone put their hands on you and just pray a blessing. It's one of the greatest ways that we see Ananias stood by him and he spoke a word of encouragement into his life. So Andrew and Charles and Raphael, please come on up. Steve, come on up. I just want a few men and just women. Come on up, stand here. Don't be shy. If you're a leader, come on up, Domingo and Andrew. And as Timothy plays, the, the congregation is dismissed. But if you want someone to specifically pray with you in this realm of the call of God, of discerning and just being encouraged, man, I really, really want you, they have time. I want you to be encouraged to come receive a prayer a blessing. So let's just, re let's just respond now. God, I thank you that you've given us the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus, but you've also saved us into a community where we can be encouraged and edified. God, that we can have others see things in us that we can't even see. And I pray right now you would just activate our little body, our church community, to be those encouragers, those exhorters, really, Lord, those, those treasure hunters that can pull out the gifts and the graces in each other, all in a spirit of agape love, all through the power and the grace of Jesus. So come on up, friends. I'm not gonna say amen. You're dismissed if you need to go. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Let's talk.